Welcome to Cats by 90, a podcast dedicated to you, the Big Blue Nation, basketball, football, and the latest recruiting news. If it's Kentucky sports, then it's here on Cats by 90. Now, from SB Nation's A Sea of Blue, your hosts, Big Blue Drew and Aaron Gershon. Hello, here we are. Another episode of the Cats by 90 podcast brought to you by SB Nation's A Sea of Blue. I'm Drew Brown, a.k.a. Big Blue Drew, and I'm joined today, as usual, by Aaron Gershon. Aaron, how are you doing today, man? Uh, Better now that I'm in the AC for good for the day, and we're supposed to be done with this 90-degree weather. Last day of the 90 degrees, yeah, woo! It's ridiculous. <laughs> I feel like our podcast, like all the various podcasts we've done for the last six months have been like weather centric just because it's like every day it just seems so abnormal. But thank mm-hmm. the Lord. I think today is the last day. I think tomorrow or Saturday, maybe it'll be like mid 80s. But we're um, yeah. rapidly into the fall season now. Absolutely. Thank God. <laughs> all right. Thank man, so, God. So, uh, just tee up this episode a little bit. So it's actually a little later in the week that we normally record. Um, I've been battling some bronchitis. Um. I've been saying that, that Starkville broke me both figuratively and literally. Yeah. So I'm like still recovering from that trip. I know Aaron went to Columbia. So um, I was really anxious. Was and I know you worse. wanted to kind of uh, vent out your your frustrations and your thoughts from the game. So Aaron um, went to Columbia and he actually recorded about 15 minutes or so of his thoughts from the football game, which we're going to tack onto the trail into this. And um, I've already listened to it. It was good stuff. So um, I, I'm happy about that, though, Aaron, because I, I need positive things in my life. So I'm excited that. At least the two of us are going to focus more on basketball today and not the <laughs> dreadful football performance. Yeah, it was it, it was a miserable performance. It was a gr- you know I had a good time on the trip. Um, uh, sat next to Sean Smith in the press box. Uh, Trace from Asia Blue was there. A good group was there, but man, it was just the product on the field was embarrassing. <laughs> you could say it was really yeah, it, it was, was a brutal awful. night. Yeah, the bye week couldn't come at a better time though. We'll see if they can get healthy and. Uh, We'll dig into Arkansas, I know, next week. Um, but, uh, man, yeah, just I still think they're they're going to end up with six or seven wins. I don't see them missing out in a bowl altogether, but the, they got to get healthy and they got to get their you-know-what together this week and then next week because they play a bad Arkansas team. I know Arkansas played a pretty good game against A&M, but they're just – they lost to San Jose State. So um, they, gotta, they, got, they, gotta, they got their work cut out for them, but um, – Luckily, the bye week is here, and it really comes at a perfect time. Yeah, win or loss, win or lose in Columbia the other night. I mean, this bye week could not have come at a better time. No. And hell, what they have yeah. to do is win on October twelfth. That that's what they have oh, to do. Yeah. They have that's to get it. that win. So they got to win. The, they got to win all the winnable games left. Absolutely. But um, so again, if you're interested in listening to some football stuff, hang out. Um, me and Aaron are going to go for a little bit here, talk about basketball media day, and then um, his his take from Columbia will be on the the tail end of this. So um. But to get started, Aaron, we can get in our feelings a little bit with that segment, and um, I'll kick it off this week. So my um, my thing that pissed me off and made me feel good is actually the same thing this week. It's the exact same thing, and it's at um, I guess I'll start with how it pissed me off. So my dad and I are seeing all the baseball stadiums. We checked off a bunch last year, like five, I think, last summer. This year, with me having a new baby and stuff, it was harder, but we wanted to make sure to get one in. Um, we're Cubs fans, so we traveled to St. Louis for the last series of the season, and as you can imagine, six to eight weeks ago when we planned this, that trip was looking awesome. We were planning to do every game of the series, and it seemed like it was going to have great implication on the Cubs' postseason um, chances. But they tanked it, dropped nine games straight, really pissed us off. It kind of made us a little lackluster about even going. Um, but then again, it made me feel good. We ended up having a great time, of course. I mean, going to your baseball game with your dad, it doesn't get much better. No, the bench is cleared. Um, that was sweet for no reason at all. Um, Yadi Molina's crazy. And, um, <laughs> always has been. And then, um, the Cubs hit like five home runs in the first six innings and, and beat them. So it ended up being a good trip, but still pissed us off that the, uh, the Cubs ended the season as poorly as they did. But like I said, always good to see a baseball game with your dad. I'm with you on that. Those are some of my best memories for sure. But, uh, yeah, no, the Cubs really, they stumbled to the finish line to say the least. <laughs> yeah. But, um, for me, what pissed me off is, I don't know if you're following this, it's kind of exploded today, is this chick on uh, 
I think she's an ex-volleyball player suing UK because there's not enough women's sports at UK. Yeah, I just saw that. I mean, what the hell? I mean, first of all, were you aware that UK has more women's sports than men? <laughs> Whoa, men's no, I was not aware of that. So I feel like that. that's going to be a tough counterpoint in this lawsuit. <laughs> yeah, and then in 2017, UK women's sports won the Director's Cup because 11 women's sports teams made their postseason. I mean, and I mean, I guess you could say it's fair to, it is fair to say that women's sports aren't covered. But sure. if you think about it, baseball, I mean, not baseball, football and basketball get the most attention. Basketball by miles. When football is not good, they don't even get much attention. Women's basketball gets attention. But then after that, no one really, baseball gets a little bit of coverage, not much. And then no other sports get real coverage. So you could, you could make the same complaint for the men's soccer team, for the men's, baseball team for the men's whatever i mean it's just, it's just such a stupid 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 thing i'm so all like for, just saw this aaron do you know so i just kind of just saw this briefly a few hours ago so you, you and you may or may not know is the point of this lawsuit that there's not enough women's sports that there's not enough coverage there's not enough what what's do you know the actual like basis point of her lawsuit She's baffled about how there isn't enough women's sports. Oh my god! Okay. So, <laughs> yeah, but um, uh, uh, to put it nicely, it's just unbelievably stupid. It, yeah, I saw it's a few um, like women's sports uh, member team members of different women's sports that are like one of the two biggest ones speaking out. Um, it they says don't a lot even of food- agree with it. It says, yeah, exactly. That's my point. It says the lawsuit says that UK has to add about 183 women to its athletic programs to comply with the title, was that 11, of the civil rights law that prohibits sex discrimination in federally funded education programs. The suit was filed in federal court Wednesday um, when its board of trustees, um, with its board of trustees, athletic director Mitch Barnhart and President Eli Capilouto. Wow. Even wow. Our, our Macy Morris, who we've had on in the past, <laughs> said, I wonder if she's attended more male or female sporting events with the question mark emoji, basically saying, do you care about women's sports at UK? And it's not that people don't care. They just uh, Let's just be real. UK sports is based around men's basketball. And honestly, I, until recently, women's basketball might have even been number two behind ahead of football with how poorly football's history is. So... Just stupid. That really ticked me off. That anyone is, would. Uh, one more thing, real quick. So I, I see on this article that this looks this looks to be the University of Kentucky's response to the lawsuit. With twenty two sports, UK has the broadest based <laughs> athletic program in the Southeastern Conference. Based on surveys of our students, the current sports offerings fully accommodate the interests and abilities of our undergraduate students. <laughs> if I were UK, I'd write back LOL and leave it. <laughs> it's just it's blasphemy it it really is but um i guess on a lighter note (laughs) i'm gonna stick sports on that uh saquon barkley who had a high ankle sprain uh looks like he could play this weekend oh my god i have gallman in my fantasy league my fan that should have been my bad one oh god uh he barkley is just uh, that's not human i I mean there's videos of him running already He's yeah, his running. legs are just like tree trunks, man. I saw the video oh on SportsCenter last night of just him doing stretches, which was yep. amazing based off that high ankle sprain. And great. I didn't know he was willing to play. My 0-4 fantasy team that starts Gallman <laughs> is thrilled about this. Name. You might be fine. I'm hearing that the target is really next Thursday against New England, but still, man. He's, I have Barkley in fantasy, so I'm hoping he's – Ooh, that'll be a good one. I didn't realize that the uh, Giants play the, the Patriots on Thursday Night Football. That'll be yeah. good. Yeah, uh, well, it'll be good for New England. <laughs> Well, you guys got your you got your nice quarterback now to, to hang I your love, hat love, on. I, love, I do love that. I do love that. All right, all right. Well, man, I'm actually really genuinely excited to talk to you today, Aaron, because I did not make it to media day on Tuesday. It seemed like it, it moved up a, a week this it year. Came, it did. It did move up a week this year. It came out of freaking nowhere because I didn't even know it was media day until uh, I got an email that, that day. It before. did, which is quite strange because that, by definition, is like the opposite of what media day should be. It's supposed to be kind of, you know, that day circled on the calendar that um, everyone kind of looks forward to. But the, the first takeaway that I had from following on Twitter and um, not being on task at work is this. Um, it seemed like it was hot as hell temperature-wise everywhere at media uh, day. <laughs> yeah, I think it was Mark Story of the Herald Leader tweeted out that it was hotter 
on basketball media day than it was on football media day. Like looked at the temperature and everything. Like it was wow. 89 degrees on football media day and 96 on, it was just, it was brutal, especially in that, uh, in the, not the players interviews were fine, but the Memorial Coliseum media room where Calipari has this whole lecture. That was brutal. Yeah. So what, what just kind of was the feel, Aaron? So again, Aaron, um, Aaron Gershon attended media day, which was on Tuesday. Uh, what was just kind of the general feel? I mean, you know what you're going to get from Cal. He's not going to answer the questions, but he's so in his wheelhouse with media day. Was he just commanding uh, the room as expected? Yeah, he was and cracking jokes left and right. And he's funny. I mean, I, <laughs> he answers questions the way he wants to answer questions and everybody knows that. And it, it had some funny moments. There was the whole denying that a lifetime time contract exists. There was. Oh, man, they all blend at this point. How many? The I think the funniest thing was him talking about Brad and sending how he said um, Brad would retweet stupid things, and he said, "Well, that's why I sent them to Detroit." I thought that was funny. <laughs> I mean, there, there were some fun moments. At the end of the day, it was so freaking hot in there. I was just kind of get in and out. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a huge media day fan myself, just because I'm always like, "All right, when's the game?" Like, you know, I want to see the yep. action. Which I guess they did practice a little bit, so. Um, that was yeah, probably my was, biggest question. Yeah. Did anybody jump out to you, like size, speed, any so, of the new guys? I didn't get to go to the practice because you had to have a professional camera to attend that. So obviously, I didn't have. What that. defines that? Uh, good question. Dang it! <laughs> I've never heard I, of honestly, such a rule. It was so damn hot. It was okay. <laughs> it yeah, was and I'm okay. sure they just ran layup lines anyway. Uh, I don't think they're. It's like foot. It's like um. Yeah, they're not going to give anything away. Well, this seems like a really fun group. I know just from like it the is. times that I've seen them, they seem like they're always laughing, dancing, cracking jokes. So I don't think this is going to be a shy group. I also think it's a really intelligent group where, you know, not knocking on last year's team, but I didn't get that vibe last year from just the overall basketball IQ and um everything, really. They were just the way this team carried themselves, spoke, um spoke up <laughs> like you could actually hear them um th they were definitely more mature th than this group was on media day last year but also at the same time you could tell they're still kids and they were having fun with it and they weren't too shy they weren't too uh high on themselves it it was a it was a pretty impressive group I, honestly i was impressed with everybody including some of the uh returning guys what about i think one probably one of the biggest takeaways um at least from what cal said was the fact that Emmanuel quickly seems to be a new player in yeah. year two. And I think people forget, don't, you know, this kid came in as a, I think a top 15 recruit, a McDonald's all American. So I don't know yeah. that he's ever going to be that, you know, that speed demon dynamic playmaker that's, you know, rising and dunking on people. But it sounds like he's really coming to his own and a lot more comfortable and sounds a sophomore Emmanuel quickly might be a problem. Yeah. And that would, you know, it's kind of, it almost reminds me a little, but of the quad a green situation, because you and I'm hoping he doesn't transfer. I don't think Emmanuel would, but um, you know you have two point guards in Tyrese and Ashton who are probably going to be on the court a lot together. And then Quigley's kind of like the three guy. Like, okay, how do you throw him in? But uh, apparently he's not even just a better player. He's like a whole different person. He's just locked in mentally and physically. He's I think he said he put on a bunch of weight. Yeah, I mean, he definitely looked good. He he's always been a confident guy, and he's always been one of the smarter guys on the team. Um, definitely got that vibe talking to him yesterday. But um, yeah, he definitely could be a problem. And I think I think UK is probably going to use him more at the two guard because, like I said, you already have Ashton and Tyrese there at the one. I think Tyrese will play some two also. But man, they're definitely going to have to play small because you have three pretty dang good point slash shooting guards uh, on that team. Yeah, and then kind of looking a little bit forward, I'm actually in the process of working on some like recruiting profiles for next year. And Kentucky does not have um a, a identifiable point guard solidified in the class of 2020. Um, forever, everyone's thinking Cade Cunningham is just a lock at Oklahoma State when they hired his brother. And now it kind of seems like people are backing off that. I'm, I've seen predictions go several several ways. So he's on their radar. And then other than that, there's like literally nobody to play point guard except um, that's what I'm writing about this week is Devin Askew, and he's in the class of 2021. He just said he's not reclassifying, even though you know how that goes. He's still, I think he's still a very strong candidate to reclassify 
um, sometime in the summer and potentially join. But I guess that was a long way of me saying that I think, you know, quickly could have a, a bright future and a real niche at Kentucky for several more years to come, you know, assuming he doesn't take a big leap and can play professionally. Right. Absolutely. And yeah, they're going <laughs> to, they're definitely going to have to find a point guard for next year because unless you have an unexpectedly terrible season from Ashton Hagens or Tyrese Maxey doesn't live up to the hype, which he doesn't seem like a guy who's going to disappoint. Uh, you're going to be in search of a point guard uh, for sure. So obviously the guy, another guy that you've, a lot of fans, I mean, I really looked for a while. It was going to be Deshaun Nix and then right. kind of recruited to, to Cronin and UCLA out of absolutely nowhere. So it's going to be interesting to see what, uh, Calipari dials up. He'll find someone though. He always does. Yeah, what a luxury too. Cause I also feel like my experience talking to quickly, just being around him at different things. He, he seems really content. He likes it in Kentucky. I think yeah, so. He does. Talk yep. about a, a great, you know, <laughs> thing to have on the bench is a five star McDonald's all American point guard that's willing yeah, to come sure. in, potentially come off the bench, play his role and be a veteran at that. So huge, huge thing um, for Kentucky this year and, and moving forward. If he can kind of be that stabilizer off the bench and I feel like that was probably um Kyle's biggest point he tried to land on Tuesday even you know he has his few things but he really wanted to make sure that everybody left um knowing how a different player Emmanuel quickly is yeah and this I think this year's team they have more depth than last year but they they don't have much size there's there's no doubt about that so um they're gonna have to hope their speed and their athleticism and the word they kept using was how physical can they be because um there have been questions about the physicality um and it's just not quite there yet so they they definitely got to get that together before they head up to new york to play a really good michigan state team yeah i think that was one of the things where cal is he's kind of infamous at talking to the players through the media so usually yep. I think anytime I think when it's about when it's about physicality and questioning their ability to, you know, bang bodies and, and that kind of thing, he's really talking to them and, and kind of challenging right. them. So I think that'll it, be a common thing that you hear. Uh, who was it? Keon Brooks kept saying how they have to get better at it, how it's not where they need to be. So we have a true freshman saying that. That's that's a good sign. You have some really mature kids. Yeah, and I believe that a lot of those comments were directed at him, probably in particular, because he's going to be relied yeah. on a lot. He's going to play a lot of minutes. And I didn't realize, um, did you get up close to him over. much? They were saying that yeah, he's I, like, I, uh, I he's really real thin. I thought he was a little thicker yeah. than that. I know he's tall, but it sounded like him putting on some weight and strength is important. Yeah, he is a little thin, but I'll tell you who's not. Uh, Sestina, Jesus. <laughs> that guy's, be- wait till you see him. I'm telling you, I, I'm not the only one who thought this. He's more, he is more. Muscle than Reed Travis does. Jeez. I mean, that's how much, that, that's how hard that kid worked this offseason. No well, doubt. Well, I maintain the fact that anyone can argue with me. Nick Richards is the biggest human being I've ever been around and seen. That, he's he's huge. Yeah. He's so yeah, big. He's, he's a, I mean, legit seven footer. So um, I've really liked his comment oh, too on Tuesday. Actor. I think he said something along the lines of like they asked him about national championships and he said, Oh, I've, I've been here twice and not one one. I don't plan to make it that feeling three times. So that was nice. I'm excited to see what Nick Richards can do this year. I think he's going to be – if he can come in and just – I said this all last season. If he could just come in and block one and a half shots, two shots per game, and that's all he does, he's going to make Kentucky a completely different team by protecting the rim. But he's got to come in and be good at something. Just at least – he just needs to be a guy that, at the very least that you know teams have to keep in mind because I'm telling you, like, I, th- I think you can both agree. No one was really afraid of Nick Richards the last two years. Um, it, 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 he just didn't play up to his potential. And if he could be half of what Kentucky expected him to be out of high school in Jersey, I mean, you know, they got a they got a top ten center in the country. Yeah, and just so much of it, man, just really goes back to his first, you know, probably twelve, fifteen games, and not maybe playing up to that potential, losing that confidence, and you come in, you're playing behind. Yeah. Uh, Reed Travis and PJ Washington. So we've talked about it at length this summer, but his longer leash, I think, is just going to have to help. And I mean, three years in this program, I mean, it's hard not to be successful. And if he can just take that leap and really, you know, challenge for a starting position or just be a guy that you that you want on the floor, will make Kentucky a different team. But another guy that came up, and I don't think this was any surprise because it's been a common theme throughout um, the preseason, is just Johnny Juzang's ability to light it up and shoot the basketball. Yeah. Yeah, he, he's definitely, what Cal said, I think was, um, 
every time he throws a shot up, everyone expects it to go in. No one's expecting anything else. So definitely getting plenty of Tyler Hero um, comparisons because not of all, I mean, the four-star recruit coming from well out of state um, and obviously being able to shoot the light out of the basketball. So yeah, he could be a game changer offensively. I think kind of, I think the key for him will be exactly what Hero was able to do in his time here, which was not only was he, he came in an elite of, uh, offensive player, he improved upon that, and then he became an elite defensive player. So mm-hmm. if Juzang could do that, he's going to be huge for this Kentucky team, and he'll only be here one year. He'll be getting paid next year. Did you get close to him, Aaron? Is he about six, seven? Yeah. He listed taller than Hero, right? Juzang? Yeah. Uh, I didn't. I mean, he was sitting down. I didn't think he was that big, uh, that tall. Maybe I'm crazy. He definitely, definitely had muscle, but I. I mean, let's see. I think you're right though about the height. I just didn't. Maybe I just didn't pick up on that. Six seven. You're right. He's totally listed six seven. Wow. But yeah, yeah I mean, they that, were all, that go a long way. Yeah, they were all sitting down, so like you could tell, like Khalil Whitney, freaking humongous. Same with um, you know, obviously EJ and Nick. But I, yeah, I must have just. I must. I must have just been too sweaty and tired. I'm still to- <laughs> kind of stuck on having this. You need a professional camera to watch practice. Thing that that's funny to yeah. me. Um, <laughs> yeah. The thing that um, I, I guess that I saw the most coming out of the just the practice or scrimmage or layup line, whatever they did, was how bouncy that um, Khalil Whitney and Keon Brooks are. Those guys are supposed to just be yeah. like pogo sticks in the paint. Yeah, I think Khalil Whitney is going to be special i really do i think he has the ability to be um definitely a lottery pick next year and for this kentucky team i mean kind of like brooks i mean whoever plays the better of those two is kind of going to be a swing man between you know the two forward positions and they're definitely gonna have to play big but i think they both have the potential to if they can um get the physicality together and um obviously you know they're going to go through freshman walls they all do but it's going to be a matter of who's going to hit a wall smacked in the face kind of like Ashton Hagen's did at the end of the year who's gonna you know have a struggle bad game or two kind of like um more like a Keldon Johnson and then figure it out afterwards yeah good stuff man I, I, I'm bummed I missed media day but it's glad to hear all your stuff here on the Cats by 90 podcast Drew Brown Aaron Gershon um it seems like too Aaron that I kind of just penciled Khalil Whitney in as just kind of that powerful athlete jump over you dunk on you uh, kind of that transition, throw it behind you, and he's going to smash it, player. But it seems like he can score in a variety of ways and is really, yep. really efficient at putting the ball in the hole. I, I guess I didn't realize he has such a good feel for the game as he apparently does. Yeah, apparently he's kind of a jack-of-all-trades. And <laughs> that's kind of what – I think that's what they were missing with Keldon Johnson last year. I mean, Keldon, obviously, when he got in the paint, he was pretty automatic and he was a pretty good defender most of the time. But – uh, you know, he would catch fire sometimes from three, like the Tennessee, the home Tennessee game, where I think he hit what three or four in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had his moments, but he was really, really inconsistent. And I think Whitney might be a step above that, where he kind of has it all to get. Uh, I wouldn't say he's going to be automatic, but I think he'll be more consistent. Yeah, Keldon Johnson kind of was like a bull in a china shop sometimes, really forcing stuff. You know, he's an emotional player, yeah. so he really would yeah. sometimes try to play bully ball, I think, to his detriment. But And I guess that's I didn't really necessarily see Khalil Whitney in that mode. I, I just didn't think his game was a, as polished as it appears to be because he's been going to some of these pro workouts, apparently with, you know, like NBA players and really, really talented groups over the summer and has just been torching guys, like best player on the court or, you know, one of them every stop he's made. Yeah, I, th- I I think he's going to be a special player. I really do. I think I think this team is going to be a lot better than mm, I th- I think this team's. I don't know. Boldly saying this is going to be a lot better team than the last to last two years. I think this team has your best chance of these last three years or so since the, since I got on campus at least. That I'd say this team has the best chance of national championship of, of those three. That's what I the would, cats by ninety listeners a, like to hear. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying they're going to win it. Obviously, I'd, I'd be too far, but just based on what I, I mean, I was I came away. I'll be honest with you. The basketball guys, like they're obviously basketball is the big sport here, and sometimes they let that get to their head. And I felt like the last two years that was kind of the case with those groups. And not to say I didn't like them. I mean, I really enjoyed covering last year's team. I really enjoyed being around PJ Washington and Tyler Hero and Reed Travis and all that, but. This year's team is just a little different, man. I really, 
I enjoyed them a little more, I must say. It was only one day, and I understand that. So we'll see how they react when the times get tough and they're not playing as well. You already know they're going to win a game by only 15 against one of their non-conference opponents, and the you know the fan base is going to go absolutely insane at them, and we'll see how they respond to that. So you don't think that, Aaron, at least preseason, that their um, perceived deficiencies in the front court um, so you don't think that that's pushing them farther behind, at least like you said, the last two teams as far as their national championship hopes? Yeah, I don't think, I think, I think you have, I think definitely it would be a safer bet than the last two years to say that this team has a chance to win it all. I also say that because if you look around the country, there are some really good teams, but there's not a Duke like last year where they were just, you know, mm-hmm. Stacked Virginia, you know, they were a dominant team and then they had the crushing loss to UMBC. And you kind of, I don't know if anyone expected them to respond and win a national championship, but everyone expected them having the same group pretty much to be really good again. And they were and they won it all. Um, there and and there just isn't honestly, you look around. I mean, Duke will be good, they always are. North Carolina will be good, they always are. Michigan State's gonna be really good, they always are. But are any of them like. Do any of them terrify you? I'd say if you're Kentucky, that is, do any of them terrify you? And I'd say no. Whereas last year we saw, I mean, I know it was game one, but that Duke team was on a different level than the Kentucky team. And that would, I think that's still, I don't think they would have lost again by 40 or whatever the hell it was, but they would I think Duke would have got them in the tournament for sure. And I still, I think if they had gotten to the final four, I thought any of those four teams were there were better than UK. I really did. Man, college basketball is so freaking awesome. I love yep. the fact that the champ. I love. It. I was skeptical when it first switched, but man, I love the Champions Classic being the first yeah. game of the year now because I think it's fun. Yeah, why not? And this year, especially. I mean, it could not be. It is like the two. It'll of the, be one verse two. Yeah, and then yeah, exactly. I wasn't even going to talk about the rankings, but when you look at the perceived, you know, Michigan State's up there, you know, top five programs in the country, and they're so opposite. You know, they could not build their teams and stuff any more opposite. So they're going to come in, I think that's November 5th in Madison Square Garden. They'll come in right. with, with you know, a senior lane. They'll have a – is it Cassius Winston? Cassius is that Winston. His name? Oh, yeah. yeah, he's a special player, Dude, man. So him versus Hagens, and it's just like the clash of Titans, but in totally opposite ways. I love how we'll bring a young team in. They'll bring their veteran team in. Um, obviously, it didn't go well for Kentucky last year, but that event is just so kick-ass, and it, I mean, I'm excited. It is. Yeah, it is, and I think, I think this year it will be – I'm not, I don't have a prediction on that yet. I haven't looked that far, but I don't think we're going to, I don't think you'll see UK lose by 40 this year. No way. Yeah. After this year, I think it might be fair for all um, Kentucky media members, maybe just to take the year off of predicting champions classic mm. scores. We, we, when's uh, the last time, when's the last time they won in the champions classic? Cause they lost the last two years. Did they won the year before that. Um, I, I know they, they have the, uh, the second best record of their tie with somebody for the best record. I, I want to say they beat Duke there three years ago. Let me see. But I know I know they won. They they lost to Kansas two years ago. It was a close game. Not many expected it to be close, but it was. Yeah, I was at and that last. Yeah, and then they got uh they got obviously their doors brought up. Bought, uh, it was just that was the worst game of basketball I've ever seen. Yeah, uh, November sixteen, uh, Kentucky beat Michigan State. Actually, they were number two. Okay. Michigan State. They so beat them. Beat them played. good too. Beat them by nineteen. I right. remember that. Yeah, in right, Madison that was Square Garden. Right. 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 Darren Fox, and then that team was. Pretty good. <laughs> uh, yeah, so break a little losing skit. I mean, I, I don't know. I think we'll see. We'll see what happens. It's definitely a great test. It'll be two really good teams. And I, like I said, I, I truly believe that uh, this is the best Kentucky team, at least on paper and from what I saw the, since I've been at school here. That's my early bold prediction, I guess you could say. Yeah, just real quick then. So, uh, damn it, Duke. Duke took the lead. So now Duke, Duke's five yeah. and three in the um, Kansas right. Classic. Kansas four and four. Kentucky four and four. Michigan State's three and five. Um, it shows you right there. There's a hell of a lot of parity. Still parity. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Yep. And then I, I think you know a storyline that will really start building some steam over these next few weeks is Ashton Hagens versus Cassius Winston, and hopefully yep. he can get his swag back, man, because that's you got to assume that Auburn. Um, uh, was it Jared Harper just kind of undressed him in that second half? It was yep. really tough. You know. So he's going to be ready to go. And he had a couple of good comments from Media Day, too, I think, just about being – um. I don't remember the exactly what it was, but the context was just essentially on him being, like, less fun in games, all business. Like, he's ready to win yeah. this year. 
yeah, I think he's going to be. Uh, he's a, obviously if he has a good year, I mean, he could he could be a lottery pick too. I mean, his he's there defensively. He could always get better, but he's there defensively, and if he gets that offensive game fixed, <laughs> look out. Right. And uh, I mean, if we're looking ahead on the schedule, by the way, just for the f- not pre-conference play, I, I mean, Michigan State's going to be a whale of a game, but. Louisville this year, man, they're they're going to be really good. I mean, Louisville's going to be really, really good. I know we don't like admitting that, but tell me, uh, there, I don't think there's any case scenario where they're bad. And I'll tell you what about Louisville. They finally, for the first time in forever, have the right coach. They really do. Chris Mack is a likable guy, and I think that's going to be a whale of a game. In is it in? It's in Louisville. No, it's in Lexington. That's yeah, it is going to be a good game. Um... I was, like I said, I was just writing about Devin Askew. That might be who they're kind of battling for them. There's going to start being some good recruiting battles with them. And I also saw where um, that, that makes the game so much more fun, though. Several, like I, I, I mean, it's fun seeing Louisville suck, but at the same time, don't you want to see them be kind of on the same level and fighting point for point? Oh, I, dude, I, you're preaching to the choir there. I always got to actually hold my tongue, being that I'm Big Blue Drew. But I grew up in Louisville. And I never personally got my jollies from them being bad. I don't like cheer for them. But if they're not playing Kentucky, I'm kind of indifferent. It doesn't bother me if they win. Sometimes I even want them to beat the team who they're playing. I'm more like a uh, Indiana hater, Duke hater. Um, <laughs> but I agree. I think it's good. The city is just so much about basketball. So I think it is good. I'm I'm really excited to see some Cal Mac recruiting battles because I've said yeah. this for a while, and this will be for another um, episode of the Cats by 90 podcast. But there will be an incident soon where – it could be small or big, and there's going to be a major rift between Cal and Mac, and that that rivalry is going to really heat up. Whether it's on the court between them, whether it's in the trenches on recruiting, a, a casual comment made, Louisville being better will um, perpetuate that faster, I think. But I even saw people um, yesterday, the like ACC preseason rankings were coming out from certain outlets, and several people had Louisville winning it, and almost everybody had yeah. like the top three. So that's what I'm seeing too, and. Uh... I, it it just wouldn't surprise me. They have a really good roster, and I really, really like Chris Mack. I mean, it, how fun would it be to have a tournament game between those two teams? Why not? Well, you know their NCAA will, will set that up. Hey, what's up, Aaron? You're not doing Big Blue Insider tonight? I just saw Ryan Lemon saying he's hosting it. Yeah, he's hosting it. Uh, Dick's off, too. Nice, nice. You guys got the day off. Well, much earned, man, after your trip to Columbia. So, um, yeah. dude, talking about college basketball, like, genuinely just got my heart rate up. I'm I'm excited. Um, if you want to hear anything about football again, we're going to end this episode, I think now, or this, this portion of a Cats by 90 podcast. And, um, you can hear Aaron's, um, sad takes from Columbia and kind of get, um, what's going on in his, his outlook for football. And then we'll catch up early next week, Aaron, and we'll kind of recap and really start diving deep into the, um, to the Arkansas game. I'm looking forward to getting back to Kroger Field and hopefully you'll be there. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I should be covering okay, the game. Good, good. I'll see you there then. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm good. Yeah, Jared Lorenzen Day. That's the highlight. Yeah, exactly. I'm happy it's a night game, and I, I think they'll pull it out. So I'm looking forward to getting seeing the guys yeah. covering some games. And um, again, stay on if you want to hear Aaron's takes from Columbia, which I know that you do. And we will uh, catch you next time on the Cats by Ninety podcast. Hello and welcome to the Cats by Ninety podcast. This is Aaron Gershon, and I'm riding solo today. Um, Drew. Uh, Drew Brown, obviously my co-host, co-host. Oh, well, sorry about that, Drew. <laughs> um, is kind of recovering from bronchitis right now. He's had a busy week, so giving him the night off, and we're probably going to keep this episode fairly short. But um, didn't want to go too long without talking about um, kind of the state of Kentucky football right now, heading into the bye week. Um, obviously, I was in South Carolina covering for Big Blue Insider. Um, and it was a bad performance, to put it nicely. Um, Kentucky obviously lost 24-7 to the South Carolina Gamecocks to fall to 2-3 and on the season, and more importantly, 0-3 in conference play, and that's for the first time since the first year of the Stoops era, 2013, that the Cats are 0-3 in conference play. Um, also, the first loss to South Carolina since 2014, uh, 2013 as well, so that ends the five-year winning streak that the Cats had over the Gamecocks. Um, and it ended in ugly fashion. And when you look at the score of 24-7, you're probably thinking, well, I guess they, it wasn't too bad. The de- defense did their job. Offense did enough. Yeah, the defense did their job. I mean, at the end of the day, man, I mean, 
<laughs> one of their drives was a 30-yard touchdown run by, I believe that one was by Feaster, who was, he feasted, Tavian Feaster did, so did Rico Dowell, we'll get to them soon, but, uh, and that was set up after, um, I believe, I want to say it was a turnover, not a turnover on downs, I'll check that quickly, so you had that, the first drive of the game, the UK defense just got torched, okay, they defer to the second half, and South Carolina goes down the field in about three minutes, put seven on the board, and immediately you sense it could be a long night coming, and yeah, sure the hell was, but uh, anyways, you had the touchdown from South Carolina in the th- yeah third quarter that made it 17 nothing. It was a Rico Dodwell that time had a 30-yard run, and that was after the Sawyer-Smith strip sack on third and eight. Um, so, yeah, so the defense really, in hindsight, had two really bad drives, and the other one they held them to a field goal, and that one that they held them to three on, um, was a 62 play drive that they were able to kind of stop the momentum late in the drive. They were able to stop them down near the goal line. So in hindsight, they really, the Kentucky defense only had two bad drives. They even improved, uh, the pass rush where you saw against Mississippi state two weeks ago now that, um, the pass rush in that game all came from the secondary. And in this game, Boogie Watson, who kind of got off to a tough start to begin the season and he's supposed to be as close to the Josh Allen replacement as you can get. He had five last year, was second on the team behind Josh's, God knows, 17. But uh, Boogie had two sacks, and he looked really good out there. And the third sack came from Calvin Taylor, and it was a big hit. Probably um, Sean Smith, the go big blue country, and I were sitting next to each other in the press box, and we both agreed that was more of a targeting. It wasn't a targeting. It shouldn't have been, but it was more of one than the one that hit that uh, Kentucky got hit with against Florida and uh that was, of course, um, a game changer, and that was Cal- uh, T.J. Carter. But anyway, uh, defense did their job. The offense, man, I mean, uh, they were lucky to have seven, and that happened after Mark Stoops and company finally decided to sit down Sawyer Smith. Sawyer, you, it doesn't take one. It doesn't take. You don't need a degree in rocket science to tell that Sawyer was totally banged up. He probably shouldn't have been playing in that game at all. I mean, he was taking a beating, and he was already sore, so he finishes the game a brutal 11 for 32, 90 yards, only averaged 2.8 yards per attempt. He had a pick and a fumble. Um, Lynn Bowden threw two passes for seven yards, and the one touchdown drive they had, which came in garbage time, was a Chris Rodriguez two-yard run with, I want to say, two minutes left, 232 left in the ball game. Um, Lynn was that quarterback running all over the place, and Rodriguez had a 44-yard run and then a two-yard touchdown run, and it was actually Rodriguez with 65 yards that led the team in rushing yards. Obviously, Cavassier Smoke was lost for the game early with a migraine, um, but man, the offense was just terrible. There's no other way around it. The offense was kind of supposed to be the strength of this team. Defensively, you know, you're worried about the secondary, and then you felt pretty good about the front seven. Um, both held their own this week. I mean, for the second straight week, the secondary, uh, passing wise, only 140 yards, 15 for 27 for Holinsky. Uh, they didn't force a turnover outside of the special teams, which is the best unit on this team right now with Duffy and, you know, they're able to get the really a lucky bounce sitting off a South Carolina player and Brent Slusher jumps on it for the fumble recovery. But, uh, Holinsky only 140 yards and 5.2 yards. Per attempt, Brian Edwards, one of the best receivers in South Carolina history, held to just six catches, 37. So nothing, nothing too special from Edwards. As uh, I looked at his stats, and you could hear his highlight video coming up. But um, just a terrible game. Just a terrible game. Um, the atmosphere in South Carolina uh, for the first half was, you know, what you'd expect. You know, almost sold out, student section full, rocking, sandstorm, the stupid... Um, Rooster and blah, blah, blah. But then it really, despite this being a game for South Carolina, that was really a desperation win. And their first win over Kentucky in the Muschamp era and in six years, it it really emptied out in the second half. And there weren't many of that Kentucky fans in the stadium to begin with. But the South Carolina fans really did not stick around. The atmosphere, I wasn't in Starkville, but I assume couldn't have been much harder than it was in Starkville, at least in the second half. 
and the fact the score was only 10 nothing, Kentucky had every opportunity to come back and win this game, and they simply just played terrible. They played terrible, terrible football. They finished the game with just, let's see how many yards of offense. Not much. They Also, they didn't convert a third down until late in the second half. It, it was just terrible. There's no, I, I have nothing positive other than Matt Duffy, who punted nine times for an average of a freaking 51.1 yards per punt, and 62 had 460 punting yards, more than both offenses, nearly as many as both of the offenses combined. I mean, he was the best player on the field in that game. He really was, and that's saying something. Uh, right now, uh, South Carolina's not a very good football team. They're, they clearly show they're the better one, though, and that's a problem because they're, they're just not good, and Kentucky's that much worse. They looked horrible, and... You can blame it on Sawyer Smith's injury. You can blame it on the coaching staff. Um, the play calling was questionable. You can blame it on the coaching staff letting Sawyer play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're losing games to teams like South Carolina, man, you're in big freaking trouble. And now Kentucky's 0-3 in conference play. The schedule is favorable with Arkansas coming up next week. But, hey, Arkansas gave Texas and A&M a run for their money, nearly upset them down in Jerry World for their annual game down there. Um, Georgia, the next game after that, they're going to get Kentucky's getting spanked. I think we all agree on that. Um, you'll have Mizzou, not going to be easy at home. Tennessee, who's going to play you tough, even if they stink this year. Vanderbilt always also plays you tough, but you know you would think they can win that game. UT Martin, FCS should be a blowout, and then Louisville uh, has shown improvement this year, but Kentucky should win that game. But, man, I, I don't think there are any must, uh, um, automatic wins on the schedule now. The way Kentucky's played the last uh, two and a half weeks, really, if you count the fourth quarter of the Florida game. Because um, Kentucky just doesn't look very good. So I'm going to take a quick sponsor break here. Like I said, we're going to keep this episode pretty short. Um, but I want to dive into some of the team statistics and uh, uh, player statistics heading into the bye week. And we're back for kind of the last 10 or so minutes of this short, short podcast episode. Um, obviously debriefing the South Carolina loss and just talking about the state of Kentucky football right now, which is not a fun state, man. It's um, the worst Kentucky has looked in probably since the first year of the Stoops era when they went 2-10, this three-game stretch. It's been a really rough stretch. But um, stats tell you a lot. Kentucky's offense currently nationwide actually ranks 55th in total yards, which is not bad, right? But then you look at it <laughs> a little deeper and what it means for them really against the conference. Total offense of the conference, they rank 11th. Only Missouri, Vanderbilt, Tennessee worse. Points per game in the conference at 23.40. Third, second worst in the conference. Even Tennessee has scored more points with 26 per game. Vanderbilt, the only team below Kentucky. Passing offense. Kentucky ranks eighth. And Arkansas, who they will see after the bye week, ranks fourth. Rushing offense, where you have A.J. Rose, Cavasse Smoke, Chris Rodriguez, running back trio, must be in the top five, right? Nope. Seventh. <laughs> not great. Just not great numbers across the board right now. A.J. Rose really looked good against Mississippi State a few weeks ago. He looked not good <laughs> against South Carolina last week. Only um, 33 yards on 10 carries. Smoke had the migraine. Rodriguez looked back. Uh, looked, had a bounce back game after he'd been on the kind of on the bench the last couple weeks due to. Uh, the fumbles against Eastern Michigan and Toledo. So uh, not great. And then we're going to go to the defense here. Um, I saw this stat. I want to credit Nick Roush, I believe, if KSR found it. Kentucky's front seven, as I mentioned earlier, is supposed to be the kind of the strength of this ball club other than the offensive line. Uh, Kentucky's rush offense ranks dead last. Rush defense, rather, ranks dead last in the SEC. Uh, you're not going to win many games at all in the SEC where almost every team has a good running back um, if you have the worst 
defense against the run in the conference. And that's saying something with how Tennessee and Vanderbilt have played to start the year that they're not even ranked ahead of them. Um, nationally, that gives Kentucky, we're going to find them here. I want to say they're well in the bottom half of run. D- yeah, 101st against the run in the country. So they're among the absolute worst at stopping the run. And that's a huge freaking problem. I mean, last week alone, you had two rushers go over 100. Uh, Passing defense, which you would assume would be a huge weakness for this team with this young secondary. Um, Like I said, the last couple weeks, uh, not terrible. Um, Obviously, (laughs) under the circumstances where the run has, run defense has been so bad that, you know, at least the pass defense has kind of held its own, currently ranking 71st in the country. Averaging 224.6 yards per game through the air. So not great. Uh, Could be a lot worse with this young secondary. But um, for the most part, it's kind of been what you've expected. I mean, growing pains for sure. But really, I felt like the secondary kind of on third down and on, you know, when the other teams get near the goal line, they've kind of been able to bear down a little bit. So that's been pretty good to see. But overall, all those numbers I just read off, not going to cut it. Also, Kentucky's just, they were, they got two turnovers game the first couple weeks, but only that one special teams turnover the def, um, against South Carolina defense doesn't get you any turnovers. Um, not going to win games if your defense can't get you at least a turnover game. Um, hopefully more, but, uh, Kentucky's bye week, as Mark Stoops said at least five times <laughs> during his press conference the other night. Coming at a perfect week, get Sawyer Smith healthy, Kavasi Smoke um, with the head stuff, and obviously other guys banged up we may not know about, and some we do know about, like um, Isaiah Epps, who hasn't played yet this season. Good chance we see him for the Arkansas game. Same with Phil Hoskins, who we haven't seen yet this season. He was suspended for academic issues, I believe, the first two weeks, and then had the injury during warm-ups against Florida. He should be back after the bye, same with Taj Dotson, who did some good things in the secondary during that Florida game, so that'll be good for Kentucky. Um, Also, give them time to prepare for Arkansas, who, like I said, they looked really good against Texas A&M. Obviously, they haven't won a game in conference play since 2018. Yeah, no, 2017, I'm sorry. Went 2-10 overall last year. This year, lost to San Jose State. But, man, they were this close against uh, against Texas A&M. And right now, ESPN gives Kentucky an 81.4 chance to win at home. It will be a night game where the Cats will honor Jared Lorenzen. Kind of surprised it's not a noon kick. But 7.30, SEC Network, Arkansas, Kentucky. Two weeks from, uh, actually a little less than two weeks, about 12, bad ma- yeah, 12 days from today. We're recording on Monday, um, September 30th. Uh, this brief edition of the Cats by 90 podcast, driven by a sea of blue and SB Nation. Um, I'm reading one cool piece of news, maybe the best Kentucky news the last three days. Um, CJ Conrad worked out for the Browns, so maybe he'll get a job there, obviously with the Giants during training camp. Um, got cut after making the practice squad, and the Giants signed another tight end. I'm a big Giants guy. Two and two, by the way, two wins in a row for them, so that's great. Um, other cats around the NFL, while we're on topic, I know Lonnie Johnson's been starting for the Texans. Um, Benny Snell, we'll see if he gets any touches tonight against Cincinnati. Josh Allen had the breakout game against uh, Tennessee a week and a half ago. I didn't, th- I don't think he recorded a sack against Denver, but his Jags are two and two. Um, it's fun seeing all these names in the NFL that were here a year ago and got to cover, so there's that. Um Really going to keep it short. Like I said, Cats by 90 podcast. Quick football recap of the loss to South Carolina. Uh, Drew and I will be back later in the week. UK Basketball Media Day is tomorrow. I will be there. Not sure if Drew will, but I will be. So we'll talk about that. We'll probably dive more and get Drew's opinion on what the hell is going on with this Kentucky football team and where they should go from, really, where they should go from here because, man, uh, they're in a lot of trouble right now, and hopefully they will. <laughs> hopefully, Mark Stoops is right that the bye week is at a perfect time. I mean, it's definitely right, but they got to take advantage of it. They got to get healthy. 
they got to work on things and they got to get ready to play Arkansas and bring it, as they like to say, next Saturday night at Kroger Field. Kentucky home, by the way, eight games left to play. They'll be home for six of those. So I do want to touch on this real quick before I end this brief episode. Um, I hope the crowd sticks with them, man. I mean, they won 10 freaking games last year. Um, obviously, they're not as good as last year when you lose Josh Allen, Benny Snell, Mike Edwards, Lonnie Johnson. Do I need to keep going? I mean, we okay, we get the point. We knew this Kentucky team would not be as good as last year. But they still, this program is so much different, man, um, than it was before Stoops got here, Stoops' first year. This is a winning program. I still think they're going to make a bowl game at least. I still see them. I think they will get the bounce back win against Arkansas off the bye. I don't see them beating Georgia and Missouri, but I do see them beating Vanderbilt, Tennessee, Louisville, T- UT Martin. I really do. And that would put them at 7-5 and five and probably a Belk Bowl, maybe um, Gator Bowl, something like that. Not terrible, okay? Um, stick with this team. Get to the games if you can. Obviously, not everyone's going to make it to every game, but you know, basketball season's coming. Big Blue Madness will be the Friday before Kentucky, Arkansas, which I expect will be a good crowd for the time of the great um, Jared Lorenzen. But stick with this team if you can. I think they're worth following. I think they'll prove a lot of the doubters wrong during the second half. I think they'll get it together a little bit and at least win six to seven games, get you in a bowl game for a fourth straight year. Um, so I'm going to wrap up this edition on that note. We will talk to you later this week. Thanks for listening. Make sure to follow Cats by 90 on Twitter at Cats by 90. You can also follow Aaron and Drew at agershon 99 and at Big Blue Drew 33. And remember, no matter the opponent, it's always Cats by 90.